It's The Daily Objective. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan Honig. Here with Mark Pellegrino, we're all students of objectivism, and we're delighted you're here with us to talk about a story that, well, it is ripped from the headlines, if you will, but it also is certainly relevant and pertinent to us as students of objectivism. We would call it mysticism, uh, but most uh, Westerners, most Americans would just call it religion or call it being church going. And, you know, Mark, the headline here, first of all, Good to see you. Thank you for uh, being with me and great to always be with you. So welcome. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I want to hear a bit about your history with religion, if you have one. But here's the headline. Let's not waste too much time. Church membership in the United States now is at an all-time low. It hit an all-time low last year. More and more Americans now expressing no religious preference. The percentage now is below 50% for the first time since Gallup actually started uh, studying this. So it's, you know, it's really fallen off the map in terms of of, uh, religious attendance. And, you know, here's the the longer term graph. This chart goes back to 1940, when upwards of 76% of all Americans identified uh, with a church, you know, belonged to some type of religious institution, uh, church, synagogue, or mosque. So, you know, we've seen that number fall almost by half over the course of what 60 70 years pretty profound change and you know mark i have some quotes from rand i want to share you know she obviously talked a lot about religion talked a lot about mysticism but you know i'll kind of start by asking you i mean you know we rail against it we point out over and over again why religion is immoral why it's wrong why it's detrimental to our lives short term long term is this a good thing, the fact that fewer and fewer Americans identify as members of a, of a church? It would be a good thing, uh, but for the alternative, which is uh, radical skepticism, and that seems to be stepping into the gap. Uh, many people could, I think, justifiably claim that many religious folks are skeptics when it comes to reality, but that's not the case. In my view, they at least have an integrated view of existence and they're, they're, they're attempting to find meaning. Uh, whereas skeptics uh, now, the modern radical skeptic, uh, denies the existence of knowledge, denies the efficacy of the mind, denies the uh, existence of an objective morality, all of, all of which uh, were somewhat, still fell under the umbrella of, uh, of religion. Uh, religion attempted to unify the mind and the spirit and your, and your action. Uh, and s- modern skeptics are doing the opposite. Uh, th- that's an interesting observation, you know, and when I, when I first saw this, uh, this story, I thought it, exactly that, like, you know, well, what a, they haven't turned towards a reason. People certainly haven't given up mysticism for reason, but maybe let's start and, and go back and revisit Rand in her wonderful interview with Playboy, which is, I believe, available online at uh, probably the Ayn Rand Center or, or the, uh, the Ayn Rand Institute. Now, Playboy asked Ayn Rand, has no religion in your estimation ever offered anything of constructive value to human life? And Rand's response was, you know, qua religion, no, in the sense of blind belief belief unsupported by or contrary to the facts of reality and the conclusions of reason. Faith as such, she says, is extremely detrimental to human life. It is the negation of reason. Um, And, you know, what's interesting too, Mark, and a lot of what you talked about as being the substitute now for religion, I'm going to throw out just one as environmentalism as one example. People all seem to have a, a, um, a religious fervor about 
once again, it oftentimes, to kind of paraphrase Rand here, it seems to be oftentimes, you know, belief unsupported by the facts of reality. So you can give him, you know, Alec, Alex Epstein all day and all night, you know, man's life is getting better. The more carbon we use, the better man's life comes, uh, becomes, but there's just this adherence to something that's not based in reality. It's a feeling, it's emotion that seems like religion just in another form. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I think that we have to explain to people who aren't objectivists out there that the, the objectivist virtues primarily revolve around epistemology, right? Your, your mind's relationship to the world, how you know what you know. And certainly a, a, an objectivist like Rand would, would, uh, would disparage any, any philosophical system that claims there's another means to knowledge in reality or some other, uh, or than, than your mind. Um, but, and look, environmentalism, uh, look, just substitute any, any, any anti-life, anti-mind, uh, you know, um, goal and environmentalism fits that right. And, and you'll get what most people are, are gravitating towards today. But that, but what Rand misses, uh, and she doesn't miss it so much. I mean, because she acknowledges the role that Thomas Aquinas played in bringing Aristotelian philosophy to the world and, and starting the Renaissance, she understood what the Muslim culture brought to the world when it preserved the writings of uh, Aristotle and actually looked outward for answers. When, when philosophy was sort of the handmaiden to religion, um, you know, there were aspects of it that were very much pro-life, very integrating. Uh, but nowadays we're getting far, far afield from that um, because people can't take the mystic seriously, they can't take the supernatural seriously, but now they can't take the mind seriously either. It's a, it's a really interesting observation. And thank you, Mary Alina, for the super chat. Encourage everyone to support us on super chat. You literally, as they say, keep the lights on here at the Ayn Rand Center UK. Um, but, you know, Mark, you, you, you talked about how, you know, you know and, and Rand obviously wrote about, I'm quoting now, philosophy is the goal towards which religion was a helpless blind groping. The grandeur, the rev reverence, the exalted purity, the austere dedication to the pursuit of truth, which are commonly associated with religion, should properly belong in the field of philosophy. And she talks about that, that, you know, religion was kind of an early form of philosophy. And to some extent, I cut a lot of slack to like those early, I know this isn't so gauche to say it now, but savages, you know, people who were born in early times, medieval times, the dark ages, it's like, you know, you didn't have science, you didn't have achievement advancement, you didn't have Galileo, you know, all you knew was that if you prayed to the gods, maybe you got a better harvest. But now we're here, we're in the 21st century, we've got science, we've got advancements. So, you know, I'm happy to see people turning away a little bit from the supernatural. And I feel like maybe as Rand talked about, now we can switch them over, if you will, help them see why all that uh, reverence, all that um, uh, interest they had in religion, they should have towards philosophy, because that's really what dictates how you're going to live on this earth. Your success is based on your ideas. So it's just, it's amazing that the same people that kind of scoff about philosophy, oh, philosophy, take religion super, super seriously. And Rand identified that decades ago. Well, no question about it. She was uh, she was prescient. I think I think a lot of the things that she wrote decades ago in the fifties and sixties are coming true today, and and she's much too undervalued in our in our culture. 
Uh, that said, uh, you're right. Perhaps this this moment in time is is the time where, in a great secular philosophy like objectivism, can rise up and fill the vacuum. The problem is, these kids are being uh, they're being indoctrinated with radical skepticism from the early from their early grades, uh, from grammar school, from primary school into secondary school, and then into college, where it's further cemented. How do you, you know, as Thomas Jefferson said, and I paraphrase, you know, uh, ignorance is far uh, superior to a mind filled with poison. I mean, once, once the poison of radical skepticism has gotten into somebody's epistemological framework, it destroys it. It's very, very difficult to take them off of that. That's why I think they're trying to insert these non-ideas, these anti-ideas earlier and earlier in the education system when kids are disarmed so that it becomes a part of their sense of life, uh, which is, of course, as Rand would even acknowledge, it's a very difficult thing to change. Um, and, and so that's the battle that we're fighting now, institutionalized radical skepticism versus, versus a rational secular philosophy. Because the religionists are right, though, when, they, when, when Dennis Prager rises up and says, look, the culture is falling apart, he's making a true observation. His, his, of course, he's integrating the wrong, the wrong cause, which he says is the rejection of religion, right? But, uh, but he, he doesn't see our culture falling. Yeah, well, you know, I have to say, I'm not, I don't really know what, I, I'm not so familiar with radical skepticism. And I, I've heard you talk about it here in the Daily Objective before. I know, you know, you and Rucka have had some, and Nikos have had some really interesting conversations about it. I mean, um, you know, Rand obviously talked a lot about altruism and radical uh, uh, skepticism is kind of a new one for me. I mean, uh, I'll share one more quote from her if I could. You know, she talked about this kind of bait and switch that religious religion did. And were you, can I ask, you don't have to share if you don't want, but were you ever religious? I mean, were you ever? Yes. You were? Uh-huh. And, and I find that a number of uh, objectivists had flirtations with religion at one time that were pretty intense. I know, it's always amazing to me, like a guy like Ben Bear, same thing. And Ben Bear was like a good church going guy. Aaron uh, Smith. You know, Aaron Smith too. I mean, it's, a, it's really, it's, it's tremendous how they've been able to kind of overcome that. But, you know, Rand, Rand wrote this and I love this line. She says, for centuries, the mystics of spirit had existed by running a protection racket. By making life on earth unbearable, and isn't that what the fuck religion does, excuse my French, but you know, you feel terrible about everything you do, every lust that you have, every ambition that you have, then she writes, charging you for consolation and relief by forbidding all the virtues that make existence possible, then riding on the shoulders of your guilt by declaring production and joy to be sins, then collecting blackmail from the sinners, right? So you go... They, you know, they tell you you're evil for wanting to pursue wealth. And then you go to church and they say, okay, pass the plate. Where's my money? And it's, it's, it's a great observation of, as she says, the protection racket that religion has run for all these years. Well, yeah. And now I see the intellectual protection racket in, in concepts like intersectionality, systemic racism. These are all, these are all concepts that are... Um, rhetorical defenses against thinking and that maintain institutional power because they're unassailable and provable. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're simply assertions that take grains of uh, historical truth and then, and then exaggerate uh, trends in order to act as proof. And then the, the scholarship itself is very insular. So it, they all prove their points to each other and, and then they get uh, institutional purchase 
through this kind of uh, circle jerk of, of intellectuals, so to speak. So I see the same thing happening with these radical skeptics. So to me, the radical skept radical radical skepticism is now being borne out in these iterations of postmodernist culture, cultural Marxism that we see out there in the form of social justice academics, um, where they're where they're literally. I mean, standpoint epistemology is a perfect example of a kind of radical skepticism, where where a, a person at the top of the of the dominance hierarchy can't see anything. They can't, they have no real knowledge or ethical base because they're removed from the experiences of the people below them that, uh, that are on these collision intersectionalities that give them more experience and more knowledge. Thank you, Sister Lucifer for your super chat. Thank you, Ed, for your, your pounds, your five pounds that you've sent us as well. I really, really appreciate that. You know, and it's, it's just interesting, Mark, to see. And, you know, Dr. Peikoff talked about this in the dim hypothesis a little bit, but you know, religion's perse um, perseverance. I mean, it's real, it's influence. So you're identifying this kind of, this change, which is a change that it's not, you know, people aren't necessarily wearing a cross around their necks, their, their necks anymore and, and pledging allegiance to God, but there's something else going on there. As you said, it's a skepticism. Would you put nihilism on in that spectrum as well? You know, I mean, a lot of younger people, especially I talk to and I observe, it's almost as like they've given up on ideas writ large, you know, they've given up on morality writ large and nothing seems to matter. There's kind of a nihilism about that. And certainly you see that in a lot of, you know, these environmental movements. So do, do you think that's part of this move away from religion towards just destruction for destruction's sake as well? For sure. I mean, I think what they share with the postmodernist minus the uh, sense of humor is a disillusionment, a, a sense of disappointment in the way Western culture has progressed. What, what, what they don't seem to understand is that Western culture isn't a monolith. It's composed of a lot of things, both, both bad and good. It just so happens that you know, some of the good things coalesced in certain areas, but some of those bad things did as well. I mean, I think, uh, I think Kant is sort of the original skeptic, right? In the sense that he, he undid the rational faculty and made it, made it by virtue of the fact that it's an art of a faculty of consciousness, consciousness made it incapable of seeing reality or touching reality or experiencing reality. He divided uh, it into a, 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 an experience that you have and there's this other, other reality. And that, that was the beginning of, I think, uh, of skepticism and disillusionment with, with uh, reality. And, and yeah, I think the nihilists now are disillusioned with Western civilization because it's produced good and bad things, but they only focus on the bad that it's produced and, um, and, and want to take it down. Kant, take you're, you mentioned Kant. Obviously, Ayn Rand wrote a lot about Kant. People should read her analysis, but Scott says, and kind of echoing what you, you said, Mark, a little bit, for Kant trying to save Christian faith, he ended up setting the stage for secular faith. An interesting observation. Mary Aline, thank you again for the contribution. She says, the green fanatics are frightening. There is no logic, just faith. And Sammy is bored again. That's, I'm, that's not my observation. That's actually his screen name. Sammy says, can we have an episode explaining skepticism? It would make an interesting one. Eh, I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, I don't think we I'm want joking. to focus too. Well, but I mean, I do we no, want I'm to No, I'm joking. We can't, I mean, 
I'd love to hear more about <coughs> skepticism from a kind of an objectivist perspective because uh, you know there's a lot to learn. Um, we'll put that on the list. We'll put that in the hopper for sure. I'm certainly not an expert in it, but I've I've noticed in my online challenges the the most unreachable people are not people who believe in God. They're unreachable when when you're talking about the existence of God. So when you get closer and closer to that event horizon. Um, they start to lose their sensibility. But skeptics in general, if you, if you, if you claim to be certain about anything, you, you get their panties in a wad mm -hmm. and they will attack you. They will attack you. And many of well, them that's are like, college educated, uh, most. Well, uh, you know, oftentimes people will say, when you ask about God, and I remember reading somewhere, maybe someone knows um, on our, our chat about when Rand talked about this. Oh, you know, it was, I think when Dr. Peikoff originally went to visit and meet Ayn Rand. She asked him if he believed in God. And I, I believe I remember him telling the story that he said something effective, I haven't thought about it. And she said, oh, you should think about it. It's, you know, it's very important. And, you know, you know, understanding God. When people say that they're agnostic, you know, that they don't know, they haven't made up their mind, is that kind of a skepticism? You know, is that a similar skepticism? No. Saying, well, I don't think so. I mean, skepticism, skepticism, as most people understand it, is just a, is just a healthy, active mindedness towards facts. That's the way people understand it. And that's, that's usually the way, you know, uh, what, what does Rand call that anti-concept or a package deal? You, you usually, you know, that good notion, that healthy notion of skepticism is, is, is how they package the radical skepticism. So it's of course, of course, it's very good to question your premises. Of course, it's very good to, to, um, to always be thinking and and be potentially revise your ideas. Um, but it's not good to think that knowledge and certainty aren't possible. And this Rose. is this is this is more prevalent than you think. I mean, even great philosophers and people I respect don't like to call knowledge knowledge. They call it provisional knowledge, which is a sort a sort of bow to skepticism. So you really can't be certain about anything because it could be overturned tomorrow. Does anyone really know what time it is? Uh, yes. Rose Rose Richards uh, puts forth that he says he's always been an atheist. He thinks people are so desperate to belong and to connect with something gives them a certainty of comfort. And, you know, for a lot of people, religion does do that, right? It's kind of a sense of community. You go, you see what everyone's wearing. You go to like the church bazaars or the church socials. I mean, certainly for me growing up, you know, I was taken to synagogue, not a lot. We were kind of, what do they call the three day a year Jews, if you will. We went three days out of the year, the, the high holy days. And basically so my parents could see what everyone else was wearing, etc. But for me, Mark, I mean, I... I didn't believe in God for a moment. Thank you, mm. Mary Eileen. You know, when, when we went there and they were like, oh yeah, you know, we're, God's doing this, God's doing that, that. I just assumed it was like a, you know, wink, wink, God, right? God, like for, you know, not for a moment did I, I actually, I actually believe that. I always knew from my earliest, I just, I never believed that this was something actually true. I just felt like, come on. Come on, you're, 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 I did. you're, you're really, I did. I, I, now, now I, I sort of take that back. I, I mean, there was always a part of me that was watching myself and wondering if I bought completely the, the, the narrative that everybody was saying, but I, I think people go there for more than a sense of community. They go there for answers. There's something broken in, inside them. I can only speak for myself. 
um, where that comes from is unique to each person. And they're looking for that philosophy to fix that broken thing. And in many respects, religion offers, offers that. It offers answers. It offers, it offers uh, a commiseration with your suffering because many people out there suffer. And this is why I think guys like Jordan Peterson have such a huge following and why it's a little harder for objectivists to garner a following because he does relate to the fact that people suffer. Now, objectivists think that's secondary. It's not something to really be considered. It's not, it's not <clears throat> metaphysically important. But it is to some people. People do need to, since we live in a, a fractured world with, with uh, that, there's no consistency in in ideas, that leads to fractured people, and fractured people are hurt. They 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 have a, a sort of a existential pain that they need they need a means of dealing with it. And I think objectivism needs to start appealing to that. It is the salve for the soul, but um, absolutely. Right, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, tune them into yeah, that. I, I, the irony is, you know, religion claims to offer you answers, but and thank you, LMH, for the the five pounds. We appreciate that. Thanks to all our super chatters and participants today. Religion claims to give you the answers, Mark, but it it doesn't give you any answers. There are no answers. It's all literally in one's head, you know. And for me, we talk about objectivism as a philosophy for living on Earth. The more I've learned about objectivism. You know, objectivism doesn't say that there's a God that's going to make everything all right if you keep sacrificing and praying and beating yourself up. It does say that, you know, you have the tools to, to succeed in your life and to achieve in your life. And that's, you know, that to me is, I mean, it, it changed my life for the better. That, you're right. And, better. and that's very empowering. But I think we as objectivists need to take our spotlight off of religion. <laughs> it might have been valid to critique it heavily in the 50s and 60s but let's not forget that the 60s was the growth of the new left it was it was the birth of of real cultural marxism and radical skepticism that we're when we're seeing the fruits of that today that's the real enemy those are the people that we have to be fighting because they're the people who pretend to be intellectuals they pretend to have the veneer of science behind them lots of these skeptics will try to show you they've got brain science behind them. They've got quantum physics behind the things that they're saying. What are you? You're just making assertions and you're saying they're reducible to reality. They throw out induction as if it doesn't mean anything. Um, at those, that, those are real villains to me. Those are the people that we have to fight. You know, religionists in some respects are on our, are on our team with respect to integration, uh, with respect to integration. And, and with, respect, with respect by accident, to the fact that you know they they acknowledge the individuality of the soul because their religious texts makes them in Christianity, Christianity was one of the first steps towards that individuation, that individual relationship with God, which I think we we is is was the proto individualist movement, right? That said we don't need the hierarchy, we don't need the church. You are a temple. You go into your prayer closet and have an individual relationship with God. Now that there is alignment with us in that respect. Yes, epistemologically at their base, they're disastrous, but they're, they're, they're aligned enough. Christopher posits, quote, Rand's biggest problem with religion is faith. She regards faith as evil, it hurts human life. And I just gotta say, yeah. I used to have like a, like a, you know, I'd see a religious person and I'd kind of give them that begrudging respect, like, all right, you, you've got that collar on or you're wearing a talus, so I've got to, but now, Mark, I have to say, I, 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 I'm, I have a hatred towards them. 
because they're pulling a con on everyone. And they're using religion as this, oh, you should listen to me. I'm a rabbi. I'm a priest. I'm a shaman or something. And I feel like, you know, you're a con man. That's so I, I have a more of a, you know, and, and let me quickly ask, you know, we have too much time left, but um, Sutherland asks, have we been discussing this topic solely in the context of the U.S. or comparative trends in other countries? We, we've primarily been talking about in the U.S. And I guess the good news in the U.S. is that religion's on the decline. The bad news is, as Marx pointed out, it's being replaced by radical skepticism, social justice warriors, collectivism, and how many other uh, uh, mil- areas and milieus. So religion's right. on the decline, faith, but collectivism is not. Right, faith's by another name. And, and yes, if, if, if the number one virtue in objectivism is reason, as it should be, then clearly the antithesis of that will be the number one vice. So I don't blame you for having a distaste for the religious. I just think as much as, much as that distaste is justified, they have zero cultural pull right now, zero institutional power. It's the radical skeptics that are doing everything right now. Well, um, Scott says he was anti-religious 30 years ago, but it's the new dogma with all the momentum that is more worth of Jonathan Hodig's scorn. Well, um, you know, let's, let's put our <clears throat> emphasis on the positive, on reason, on building, on this worldly activities and all that's possible. Um, and a lot of it happening here with the Daily Objective and of course with the Ayn Rand Center UK. You know, I think there's a lot of positive things happening in Europe, primarily because they tend to be a little less religious, despite the fact that, you know, uh, the, the, the queen and, and, uh, and, and the church, etc. I always find that the UK tends to be a little less, uh, uh, well, a little more secular, which is a positive possibility. So join us um, in Clubhouse. Mark, I know you'll be there. Yep. We can really shit talk God and Bejeebus and everyone else. Allah, rabbis, whoever, who el- you know, whoever else you want, um, and hear from some of our participants and our contributors. So become a member of the Iran Center UK, make us part of your daily media diet, share, and do as we do, learn about objectivism and be, be an even better student of objectivism. So Mark, um, thanks for sharing some of your experiences with religion too. I thought that was is interesting and, and to see how you and a lot of other objectivists have, you know, I don't want to be, kind of mean, but like kind of come out of it, you know, and come out of it so positively on the other side, I think it yep. should be an inspiration to a lot of people out there. Yeah, I'll always tell my story. I think I, I uh, in Clubhouse, we can talk about my story if anybody's interested. I know a lot of people will be. So meet us there, check out the chat for the invite. If you're not on Clubhouse, uh, you should be. And um, we will see you there any moment and see you back here tomorrow for more of the daily objective. Thanks y'all.